Travellers in the Fourth Dimension and welcome to The Great Show in the Galaxy. My name is Emma Foster and joining me is Mr Mike Mole for a chat about the return of Dr Mysterio. Please understand that it is against my personal code to cause lasting harm to any individual. However, light to moderate injury is fine. <laughs> so, Mike, what did you think of this one? Was it superhero or more like super zero? Uh... Okay, yeah, I've only been waiting like two weeks <laughs> to do that joke. So, um... <laughs> um, I thought it was alright. Okay, so that's the show. Uh, thanks yeah. very much for tuning in, everybody. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, you, yeah, it's 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 it was pretty good. I I liked it. Um, yeah, I, I liked it a lot too. Um, so I think the probably the best place to start is right at the top of the show with um, the Doctor finds himself hanging outside someone's window in New York as he does. Do you know what this this bit was a bit weird for me actually because I sort of like felt like. Hang on a second, is this just like a bit of a leftover from a Matt Smith episode or something? Yeah, so it might have been. I mean, because the, you find the Doctor constructing some sort of uh, thingamabob mm-hmm. to do something with the, all the time distortion problems in New York, which is obviously a, a hangover from uh, Matt Smith's time of the Doctor. But yeah, um, I did wonder, though, this being a, a superhero um, homage, mm-hmm. if you will, um, I did find it if we're doing a bit of a Spider-Man here. Yeah. I think like, this is a lot more sort of Spider-Man than um, Superman. I mean, obviously, the, the Superman references come thick and fast. But, mm. um, yeah, it's a lot more like based around Spider-Man. Um, in fact, that's that's who, you know, the Doctor and Grant discuss most um, during the, the time together in the, the pre-title sequence. And um, mm. funny enough, actually, I I completely forgot about this, but um, Andrew Garfield was in uh, Doctor Who previously. He was, yeah, Daleks in Manhattan and Evolution of the Daleks. I completely forgot about him. <laughs> yeah, not of us did. Yeah, so carrying on the uh, the always fine Doctor Who tradition of giving someone a leg up and they turn out to be much more famous. Yeah. See also Carrie Mulligan. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, I did quite. I did like this pre-title sequence. I mean, again, I think that it's obviously the the gradual softening some more of Peter Capaldi's interpretation of the Doctor, mm-hmm. um, who seems equally sort of the same hanging out with kids as he does adults. Yeah, um, you, you feel like he sort of just treats kids as essentially sort of just tiny versions of adults <laughs> that you know are actually much more forgiving of his nonsense than uh, than adults. Mm. <laughs> Um, I did quite like this. I mean, I did I did sort of enjoy that the episode did kind of wrong foot me a tiny bit at the beginning because obviously we had the big long discussion about I've just discovered something mm-hmm. that Clark Kent is in fact Superman and everyone knows that. <laughs> um, I did wonder if um, the whole Doctor Mysterio thing was going to be the Doctor didn't realise who Doctor Mysterio was, which I thought he can't be that dense, but mm. we'll... Uh, um, Obviously, we'll get to that as we come to it. So I did quite like this idea that, um, you know, that basically he said to a kid, take this. Yeah. And he did take that in quite the most obvious way possible. Yeah. Um, I mean, bless. I mean, the syntax was ambiguous. Um, To be fair, he did say take this. Yeah, and the the kid was poorly, bless him. So, you know, and he's got a glass of water. So... Bill the same, that is a horse tablet to get down. Probably. Yeah. I don't think I could imagine it. <laughs> I suppose it was it's like when he was working on the device, you could hear like Grant's like slightly choking as he tried to force it down. 
Yeah, I was going to say, you're just an hour, hour and a half of your Heimlich in this poor kid <laughs> after he can't get it down. So, yeah, we have the Doctor basically ended up with a super-powered child. Yeah. And then going to go, uh, okay, right, you, you just promised never to do anything about do anything with those powers that you've now got. Bye! <laughs> well, in, in fairness, I think the Doctor sort of, like, just assumed it would, like, pass through his system and then everything would be fine. But clearly it didn't. But, you know, at the, the same time, the Doctor sort of, like, at a complete loss. He's, like, he's not entirely sure what's to I think he generally wasn't expecting that. So, no. but it's nice that he does like does check in on Grant every so often. Yes, I did like yeah. that. Yeah, um, when we saw like seeing his teenager, <laughs> his X-ray vision, bless him. Oh, what a torture! Um, but I, did, I say I did enjoy that the yeah, the Doctor was um, obviously had a, felt a degree of responsibility towards mm-hmm. Grant because I, I do feel like maybe some of our previous Doctors would have just gone, you know, enjoy life with that kid, um, you know, and then not see him again until. 20-odd years later than what it is that we have the main bulk of the story. Mm-hmm. So I think the main... Oh, not oh, not um, subject is... Subject of some contention amongst fans, but some curiosity was the return of Nardol. Yeah. And do you know what? <sighs> hmm. I've, I've liked the bits where Matt Smith got to play... Um, not Matt, Matt Lucas, rather. Um, got mm. to play more straight. Because you, mm. we, we used to sort of like seeing... Matt Lucas doing that sort of brand of comedy to the very sort of like innocent sort of squeaky voiced um, sort of I don't want to say idiot because that's that's a bit unfair but sort of like simple minded also or literal minded mm. rather but yeah but the bit at the end where you know he says that uh, Lucy, you know her name was River Song. And yeah. um, the bit where he says, you know, he's the doctor, he's very silly and he's very, it's going to be very sad for a while, but I promise you it'll be all right. It was the moments like that where I sort of like, I, I, like, I liked him a lot more. And I kind of, because yeah, um, one thing we haven't mentioned is he's going to actually be um, a sort of regular during series 10. That's that's the that's the uh, scuttlebutt. Yeah. Then. I mean, if, if the series 10 trailer after the episode was to be believed, he's in it. Mm-hmm. Fairly extensively. Um, <clears throat> again, I think it's a bit of good old um, number 12 guilt um, going on here. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that he obviously felt the need to, uh, A, to rescue Nardo from sort of a life being imprisoned in, in hydrophones. <laughs> um, but also, I think there was a bit of this whole thing of don't be left alone mm. sort of thing. Yeah. So he's obviously, essentially, you know, got himself a companion to... Um, to keep an eye on him. And I think what could be quite interesting is they did kind of have this relationship where Nardo isn't just sort of going, oh, yes, sir, you mm-hmm. know, just whatever. Um, he is sort of challenging the Doctor every so often and, you know, like he calls him out at one point about the the uh, Time Lord's non-interference yeah. um, policy, if you mm-hmm. will. Um, so I do wonder if it's going to be kind of a Jeeves and Worcester kind of relationship they're going to have, which could be quite interesting. Yeah, that would be nice, actually. I think that would, that would be a yeah. good thing. Um, I mean, I don't, like I said, I don't mind when Matt Lucas does, like, the silly bits. That's fine. But yeah. as long as it's, as long as it's tempered, if yeah. it was just, like, all silly all the time, then it, I think it would, like, great. But I think, hopefully, if Dr. Mysterio's any indication, then a lot of it's going to be tempered, and I think it'll, I think it'll be all right, actually. I do, yeah. I mean, like you say, I think if it, if he's constantly 
sort of running around making guinea pig noises, mm-hmm. then I think we could we could end up in a bit of bother. But um, if if I say if they sort of sprinkle that in between some of this, you know, like you say, more serious stuff and sort of the more snarky stuff mm. that he was showing when he was in the TARDIS, um, I think it could. I think they could have actually a really interesting relationship and something maybe we haven't seen out of a um, you know, a companion relationship, especially between you know two males. Mm-hmm essentially, which, you know, we, we kind of haven't seen that for a little while. So I'd be interested to see where they decide to go with it yeah. for him. Yeah. I'm certainly not, you know, covering myself in bloody sackcloth and ashes. Like I think some of my, uh, some of my fellow Doctor Who fans were on Christmas day. Mm. I mean, cause that is inevitable that you will turn on, um, you know, go on your website or Twitter and, you know, the hot takes come blasting out of your phone. <laughs> You know, they're melting me chocolate coins on me tree with all these bloody hot takes about, you know, death of the series, they've jumped the shark, blah, 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 blah. They say that every episode, though. Yeah, it is. I mean, and to be honest, I think this show is actually sort of physically incapable of jumping the shark. I mean, literally, unless the Harlem Globetrotters come on <laughs> and solve the problem with the Doctor and, you know, like they used to do on other episodes of Scooby-Doo, I really failed to see yeah. how we could possibly be jumping the shark at any point. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, I think I think this is all part of the Stephen Moffat no fucks left to give farewell to her, you know. Yes, it is what they were calling in the video game speedrunning. This is what they call YOLO stress. Yeah. This is this is true. Just just give it everything and not really care because this is the last row of the dice. Essentially, mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure if we would have seen a companion like Nardo if if like you say there was no more if there was going to be more series to come or uh, from Moffat if you see what I yeah, mean yeah I don't think we, I don't even think we would have had you know effectively a superhero in Doctor Who if it if mm. it weren't for the fact that this is um, Stephen Moffat's final year essentially mm. so I think actually the, the superhero stuff in this kind of kind of didn't great as much as I thought it was going to be mm. I mean the, some of the special effects weren't particularly good but mm. I don't know, it's kind of weird for being about, like, a superhero story. Um, like, the ghost is omnipresent, but at the same time not. It, it's much more like the story of Grant. Yeah. And also, they nicked the end from Watchmen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the whole, the, whole, the whole plot device of, you know, cause a massive alien invasion and mm-hmm. all that sort of thing. I mean, that, spoiler alert, is the plot of Watchmen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, I turned to my comic book, my comic book loving nerd brother who, who was with us at Christmas and I said, hang a minute, I've seen this before. And he was like, yep, you have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it, it, it's, you know, it, it's also like that. And you've also got stuff like like more of the Superman references. You've got like, you know, the Harmony Show building has a globe with the company's name wrapped around on the top of on its roof. and Yeah, like the Daily Planet. Yeah. And like after the press conference, you know, um, uh, Brock says, like, Miss Seagull and Miss Schuster will take care of any further questions, you know, referencing the creators of Superman. Um, mm-hmm. Also, you've got the old alliterative names, yeah. which is Stanley 101, so you can't remember anything. <laughs> yeah. So, what did you make of the character of Grant? Because I thought it was, considering what he, go- he goes through, um, and, you know, that we see him as a child and then as an adult, and um, sort of, you know, with the old great power becomes great responsibility line. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I actually quite liked him in that, you know, I think it, it could have been so easy to just do a straight up Clark Kent as Superman mm. kind of 
rip off deal. But I think obviously, obviously, tem- got away from that temptation and kind of did his own thing, which I quite like. Yeah, yeah, I did like Justin Chatwin in this. Um, mm. He's, I mean, bless him. I think he'll probably still take some shit these days from being in Dragon Ball Evolution, but that wasn't his. Oh my god, he was in yeah. Dragon Ball Evolution. Bloody He's, hell! Yeah, Goku. Oh god, <laughs> terrible move. Anyway, yeah, so yeah. that is him, isn't mm-hmm. it? Fucking hell. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, I just had to take a bit. And, and, and Justin Chatwin's no stranger to a, an alien invasion because he was uh, Tom Cruise's son in War of the Worlds. Oh my god, my brain needs <laughs> <he's> exploded. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he's. I, I did like him. He's, you know, he's just the right sort of. Yeah, you could sort of like see him being sort of like the slightly hapless. You could see him as the nanny. Yeah, yeah, being Mr. Nanny, yeah, he's, just like our Lord and Saviour Hulk Hogan. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a pretty, like, unassuming kind of guy. You know, like, mm. I mean, I think that's sort of, like, what you sort of, like, aim for in, like, the, the tropes of superhero alter egos. It's like, you know, the, the meek, unassuming, you know, mild-mannered, sort of average Joe that nobody really looks at twice. Um, mm. But, you know, in true superhero fashion he does get to step up to the plate um just as much in his civilian life you know because obviously when brock's holding lucy the hostage on the roof of the building um the ghost takes off and then grant rushes upstairs you know after brock threatens the baby and you know grant like shows up with like with the, the thing in hand and it's grant who actually saves the day isn't, he doesn't do it as the ghost. Yeah, I did like that it wasn't the Doctor mm-hmm. sort of saving the day. Effectively, it was left up to Grant. Although, obviously, the, um, Peter Capaldi does sell really well. The Doctor's increasing his aspiration about, about, about Lucy not realising who Grant mm-hmm. is, um, which I thought was, was really great. I thought the character of Lucy was quite interesting as well. Mm. Um, it's kind of one of the, one of the Doctor of oh, the Since Return series the occasional super clever character they have in. Yeah, and at the, but at the same time, it doesn't feel, like, artificial. No. no. You know, like, she's good at her job, simply, because, you know, she doesn't, um... She doesn't say... She doesn't, like, buy anything the Doctor says, you know, at all when he's, when he's, when she's, like, questioning him. I've got to say, it, it did make me laugh, that scene of the Doctor turning up to eavesdrop on the baddies with snacks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that did make me giggle. We were sitting there noshing sushi yeah. while um, while we were listening to the evil play. <laughs> Fish, of course, brain food. Of course, of course. Of course. <laughs> um, talking of brains, um, that was quite... <laughs> I don't know if they're sort of keeping it, doing it to sort of... Um, as sort of like an old superhero cliche type thing of, you know, brains in jars. It was a bit 60s Batman, wasn't it? Yeah. But I have to say, it was it's nice to have the, the show of the Winter Harmony back. Um, yeah, it, it was nice. Yeah, they're, they're quite. I, I like the sort of like the like creepiness of them because they have the, yeah. like, this very insidious um, about how like like they go go about their business. And um, um, I'm not really sure about this using the inside of their heads as nature's pocket because yeah. you know, it just keeps getting covered in goo. I don't understand how that works. <laughs> I mean, unless they use like. I don't know how, I don't understand how that's more practical than just tucking in your belt but there you go but um one thing i did find interesting is how the doctor sort of like didn't really do any cleanup at all (laughs) 
because no, just and says you lost all that. Yeah, but you know, I mean, he doesn't even sort of like take care of you know Brock, who's still on the 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 rooftop. He doesn't even like incapacitate him or you know in, in any way. I mean, yeah, Sonic's the gun, so it, you know jams, but you know he's he's still you know you don't you don't even like gonna try and like subdue him or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it did sort of seem like, you know, it was it was classic um, Doctor Who, you know, and now someone else will come and clean up all this state I've left, so enjoy that sort of thing. Um, it did, I mean, I did notice this on broadcast, but if you watch the second to last scene where Unit come in, um, right on the hand side of the shot, uh, there's a, a lady a Unit member who clearly misses her cue. Oh, dear. And starts a step too late, so yeah, it's really funny. <laughs> oh dear. Well, you know, in fairness, they're probably still rebuilding from the uh, dark invasion of two thousand nine. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely, can't get the stars, yeah. can you? But um, yeah, I mean, it's obviously nice to know that Osgood's still uh, yeah. still kicking ass and taking names as uh, as part of unit. And um, which one? Yes. <laughs> well, whichever one you prefer, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so um, it was good. I mean, in a way, it was a bit just the old classic wrap-up. But um, I'll tell you what else maybe it was quite strange in mm. this. I don't know how it's going to play into um, to later episodes. I'm sure it will do. Um, the old squeaky toy head thing. It looks an awful lot like Bill, doesn't it? It sort of looks like a weird combination of Bill and, and Peter Capaldi. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's the hybrid. <laughs> Yeah, maybe that is the hybrid. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, this this sort of this device of squeezing it that makes a terrible bloody noise, and that is what kind of induces you to to answer her questions because um, you feel some sort of sympathy for a weird squeaky head. I don't know. I, I think it's probably just like the sound. <laughs> it's just another, it's it's like like nails down a chalkboard. You know what I mean? It's, it's all like a, a trigger for like um, the doctor's <laughs> like answer a question or something i think i think that's why she's like gives, gives him the mr huffle to like keep himself true yeah so is he gonna be is he gonna be hammering pro mr huffle um all the way through next series yeah. I, mean, I mean it's it's kind of weird because you, you can see like steve moffat doing something you, you could see steve moffat doing something similar with like when he's writing sherlock you know he could give like mm. benedict come about sherlock a sort of like a thing that, you know, Martin Freeman's Watson would, like, hammer to, like, him to, like, bring him in well, line. I mean, they have kind of done that, actually, uh, if you watch a new episode. But, um, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen new uh, new Sherlock yet, just plug, take your ears out mm. for a minute. Um, but, um, yeah, when he says to Mrs. Hudson, if, if I'm getting um, arrogant or something, say, um, oh, goodness, what was it? No, 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 something to me. Mm. That bird's surname. I can't remember her name now. But, yeah, so he's basically got, like, a trigger yeah. word. For if he's getting out of if he's getting out of hand, so yeah, yeah so a bit of um, the Venn diagram of who and Doc, of uh, who and Sherlock continues to grow over wider. Yeah. So um, what else can we uh, chat about in this one? Um, so I think actually the like I say I think the superhero thing actually worked pretty well for this in that it was quite well balanced. Mm-hmm. It wasn't too references, you yeah. know. Um, but then again, it wasn't like just sort of a throwaway thing. It did drive the plot, but it wasn't like overly like ridiculous with you know hey kids remember this about this film or this comic book or something mm-hmm. like that yeah it, it was it was just like nicely sort of balanced it's kind of difficult to talk about like the return of dr mysterio because i mean it was like like i say it's not bad um 
you know, there wasn't like, I mean, it's it's a quintessential Christmas special. You know, it's, it absolutely is. I mean, it's quite quite fluffy, mm-hmm. um, and not not a huge amount of um, weight, which I think, as always, is and that all a pre- which is a um, a complaint which always comes out around Christmas episodes. Um, but if it was too heavy, it would just be too it would be too much. I think. I mean, yeah. you know, um, if you look at something like Last Christmas, for instance, I think when we reviewed mm-hmm. that, we were sort of in a in a similar position. In that it was obviously that one had a bit of different emotional feel to it um, last Christmas, mm-hmm. but it was kind of difficult to talk about in that it was quite on the surface. There wasn't like a lot to kind of dig out of there. What you saw was kind of what you got. And I think that's really all you sort of like want out of a Doctor Who Christmas special, ultimately, because like mm-hmm. you say, if it's too dark, I mean, that's, you know, that's why we have like East Enders Christmas specials. They're the ones that are supposed to be dark. Yes. They're the ones that are supposed to kill like half the cast for no reason. Do you know what I mean? That's it's always the same. There's like always somebody dies. There's you know just sort of miserable, bloody, awful things continue to happen. <laughs> yeah. You know so, uh, and you know sort of like at Christmas you don't really. I mean, don't need that at Christmas. You just need something that you can enjoy and understand. Sort of first go round, and you know it's like I say it's not too hard on the brain mm-hmm. and all that sort. Of- I mean, not to say that this was kind of, you know, Doctor Who by numbers. I thought it was a well-made episode with, a, you know, a fairly, you know, a pretty good plot. Mm-hmm. You know, again, Peter Capaldi is great as always. I actually was presently surprised by Nardo. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does next season. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, we've obviously got a nice little continuing thread there for next year if they want to pick it up next year. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, we've got we've got a nice little setup to go into uh, the next season. So it's basically what you want out of a Christmas episode. Yeah, I think. Um, so, do you think you're ready to give it a rating out of ten, as we traditionally do on uh, with new episodes? Yeah, um, I would say definitely a seven. Yeah, I'd give it a solid. Yeah, seven. solid seven. It's you know, it's now, it's it's a, it's one of the good Christmas episodes. Oh, absolutely is. I mean, when you compare it to say maybe something that we've had, we've had difficulty with talking about, um, or difficulty with sort of reconciling. So things like um, uh, Doctor Wood and the Wardrobe Baby. Mm-hmm. Things like um, probably, I mean, yeah, I mean, in terms of like in, in the whole gamut of Christmas specials, it's one of the better ones. Yeah. And it's certainly not one, like I say, that really kind of people struggled with, like Doctor in the Wardrobe and maybe a bit the Snowmen mm-hmm. as well. So I'd say it's the upper middle in the, in the list. And I think that um, not as much as The Runaway Bride, but a bit like that, it will be, I think, depending on how the rest of the season goes mm-hmm. on, it will be retrospectively improved by knowing what's to come, so to speak. Yeah. So if Nardole turns out to be awesome and everyone loves mm-hmm. him, people will look at this much more fondly going forward than, you know, so like I say with The Runaway Bride, in that now that obviously we have, um, you know, a whole slate of um, Catherine Tate being marvellous, yeah. The Runaway Bride is regarded much more fondly now. That's fair. I mean, time will tell, I suppose. I think this one, this one's a slow burner. I think this one could be um, the, you know, it could be sort of well regarded if things go well carrying forward. But I feel like, partly sort of also feels like it could just fall into the whole of, sort of the memory hole of Doctor Who specials. I mean, things like A Christmas Carol, an episode I barely remember happening. <laughs> <laughs> uh. 
So if you have any thoughts about the return of Dr. Mysterio, you can send them to us at our regular email address, greatershow at simplysyndicated.com, to our Twitter account at greatershowpod, and our Facebook page, facebook.com slash greatershowpodcast. Whilst you're listening to us, feel free to check out some of our sister shows on the Simply Syndicated network, such as Simply Syndicated Movie News, Atomic Trivia War 9000, Masters of None, Do Ask, Do Tell, Bat Channel 66, Here Goes Nothing, Take It or Leave It, The Seventh Chevron, The Little Pot of Horrors, Queer Studies, Ray Guns and Go-Go Boots, Nerd Hurdles, Making Sense with Richard Smith, The Greatest Events in Sporting History, and For Those About to Rock. Simply Syndicate is in need of your support, and the best way you can help us out is by subscribing to Simply Everything. For a monthly fee of such as £6, you can enjoy a library of podcasts from the archives of Simply Syndicated, as well as episodes of the exclusive to Simply Everything shows Shaken Not Stirred, and the Remote Patrol spin-offs Oh Boy and Trust No One. Simply Syndicated also runs a merchandise store available for both Europe and America, offering Simply Syndicated branded apparel and accessories. You can also support Simply Syndicated through a monthly pledge on Patreon, or you can donate to the network through paypal.me, of which links to both are on the bottom of the website. So with that being said, thank you very much, Emma. Thank you, Mike. And until next time, take care and bye-bye.